Welcome to the Lady Lawyer League podcast. They're a league of lady lawyers in an all-female law firm in Omaha, Nebraska called Hightower Ref Law. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of what it's like to be a lady lawyer and an entrepreneur. Now it's time to talk about the law, share real-life stories about representing clients, and discuss the current events of the week. It's the Lady Lawyer League podcast with Susan Ref and Tracy Hightower Henny. Hi, listeners. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about abortion, and we are doing a series about abortion, and today is part one. So we're going to talk about the history of abortion, um, where we've been, and then in future episodes, we're going to talk about where is abortion now. We will talk about what's called judicial bypass, which is when a young person wants to have an abortion without the consent of their parents. And more topics. So check out our abortion series. And with us today, we have Andy Grubb. And Andy is our first guest speaker outside of our law firm. So we are super excited to have Andy here. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm oh. so honored. Oh, oh yes. golf, Everyone's golf I need, clapping. I need, I need applause. Um, <laughs> that was not a sound bit. That was real clapping, y'all. Real golf clapping. <laughs> <laughs> so Andy, um, tell us about you. So yes, I am Andy Curry Grubb. I am the state executive director for Planned Parenthood in Nebraska. Um, I focus a lot on our public affairs work, our advocacy work, um, working with our state senators and uh, communities to keep access to abortion legal, um, which is our primary goal this coming year, and then also to, to continue to expand access where we can. Well, we are so excited to have you here. Thank you. And when I, when we first asked if you wanted to come on the podcast and talk about like the legalities of abortion, and you made the comment like, oh, well, it's two lawyers. I don't know how much I can add. And I was like, <laughs> no, you are the expert on this stuff. So let's chat. Okay. And you two just have to chime in with the legal expertise because that I do not have. Most of the time Susan just Googles some of it okay, while cool. we're on the podcast. Perfect. That, that, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Let's use Google when we need when we need to. I, and I support that. we are talking after the United States Supreme Court heard the arguments in Dobbs versus Whole Women's Jackson, Jackson. Women's Health Organization. See that's why we need you. J Wu. Yeah. I kept <laughs> hearing them say that and thinking why are they saying that? And that's Jackson. a clinic in Mississippi? Yes, it okay. is the only abortion clinic that remains in the state of Mississippi. Ah. Is it in cl- Jackson, Mississippi? It is, in fact, in Jackson, Mississippi. Where in the state is Jackson? You're asking Google. me geography questions? <laughs> North? We're like, getting, the, we're getting the finger that's pointing to the top. So. <laughs> and the reason I ask is because part of abortion things is how close is the closest yes. clinic, yes. right? Absolutely. So and that's something that's... That impacts Nebraska pretty significantly as well. Frankly, we'll I don't even that. know where Mississippi is on the map. Oh, oh come on. It's by Florida and Alabama. <laughs> okay. Yes. I could find the state on a map without question. Oh, okay. The city of Jackson. Have you been to Mississippi? I have never been to Mississippi. Do you ever want to go there? Yeah, sure. <laughs> that sounded sarcastic. I, I think there's a lot of amazing culture and history there that yes. I would actually love to see. But Yes. Um, I just think it must be really hot and swampy. It swampy, seems like a swamp. Yeah. And unfortunately, they are in the news a lot for doing things that aren't great yeah. for humans. Yeah. Okay, Susan, you just pulled up a map of Mississippi. We, we had know where to Jackson start is. there because you didn't know where it was. <laughs> oh, remember? 
It's between <laughs> Arkansas and Alabama. I do like how you spell Mississippi, though. Did you ever do the little song? Oh, yes. totally. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Here's a funny story no, about Mississippi. No, there was a better part to the song. I didn't say it right. Um, <laughs> my mom was one of four and the only girl, and her brothers were big pranksters. And she, when they all learned how to spell Mississippi, you know, when you're like a little or kid, they told her to write it all over the house. And so she wrote it on the walls, on the lampshades, no. oh on the couch god. cushions. <laughs> oh my god. To, forever. That was always, you know, your your mom was so bad. She wrote Mississippi on the couch cushions. Oh my god. And then gosh. she said, "But my big brothers made me." So, and she's like, "And I spelled it right." I was going to say, "Did she That's spell it right?" Yeah. yeah. I think it was like M I snake snake. I snake snake I PP, like, I don't know, something like she that. She drew snakes? No, when you were trying to spell it, the song. Oh. No, no, no. The song that I spelled was just the letters. It ju- oh. I just didn't get the tune right. I promise. That was the song that I knew. Oh, okay. So. I'm still trying to figure out where it is. I know. You're state. still Googling it. <laughs> Your Google just told you what time it was. For, I know. Like, what are you looking at? Let's see. It, it's coming. It looks She's like it's squinch, pinching the screen south, way out. South Central. Oh, okay. It's, it's close to Louisiana. Okay, but you know, pretty central. Mm-hmm. It does look like it's on an interstate. <laughs> that would make sense. <laughs> Jackson. All right. Now we know more about Mississippi <laughs> and my mom. <laughs> and we definitely know how to correctly spell Mississippi. Yeah, that which is spell. also. Yes. MS, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. When I was speaking of the case I earlier this week, I said Missouri. And I was like, well, there's two S's in there, but there's That's four Mo, in Mississippi. M-O. Yeah. Yeah. So on this episode, we are going to talk about the history of abortion. And in our second episode, we're going to talk about where we are today, which is talking about Jackson Whole Women's Health case. Um, so when we talk about the history of abortion, we the really. Law around abortion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Since we are a legal (laughs) podcast. But when we talk about the history of the law around abortion, specifically, really, we're talking about Roe v. Wade. And then we have this other case, too, right? Yes. Yes. So Roe v. Wade was 50 years ago. Yep. And really, as we're sitting here today, the whole country's talking about whether Roe v. Wade is going away. Right. But the other case that we hear about is Casey. Mm -hmm. And what happened in Casey? Yeah, so Roe versus Wade, you know, most folks are familiar with that. It is the one that established the constitutional right to abortion through the 14th Amendment. Um, so that was kind of the initial landmark. And then um, in 1992, Planned Parenthood versus Casey was before the Supreme Court. And I think one of the things that's really interesting about digging into the Casey case is that um, Is it, wait, wasn't that the music guy? Casey Kasem. Okay, oh, that was Casey, Casey Kasem. Kasem. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, the, the One of the interesting things is how similar that time was to today. 1992. Politically. Yes. Politically, yeah. right? Yeah. Because um, part and of... some of fashion, too, because, like, overalls are coming back. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, yes, it is. Yeah. It's like a it's retro... Cycle. Supreme and Court. Lisa Flannels. Frank. We were just talking about Lisa Frank. Yeah. Oh, I had Lisa, Lisa Frank, Frank in 1992. Yes. Yeah. And everything comes back, back, back yeah. including 
attacks on abortion. Yeah. Although those haven't stopped, unfortunately. Um, right. So, yeah, but the part of what happened that I find fascinating with Casey is that the the third district court had um, ruled in favor of the state of Pennsylvania and their law and upheld the law. So that it ended up, but they didn't actually provide their ruling until six days after Clarence Thomas was confirmed to the court. Mm. And a lot of folks think that they were waiting for the fifth vote to overturn Roe versus Wade. Mm. Um, because Casey really at the time was seen as a very strong potential to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um there were five conservative judges um, that had a history of, of being anti-abortion. Um, I think a big difference is the extremeness of that court is nowhere near what we have today. Mm-hmm. So I think today's very different. But the the context was very similar. Um, and so what, what was at stake in Casey was the state of Pennsylvania had put a bunch of um, restrictions on access to abortion, things like a 24 hour waiting period, um, a requirement that, uh, young people notify their parents that they're having an abortion. Um, there were some requirements of things that had to be reported to the state, um, about abortions that took place. Um, there was actually a requirement that a woman had to notify her husband <sighs> that she was having an abortion, which just sounds so archaic to me. It's shocking to think that that was just 30 years ago. Right, in 1992. 1992, yes. yes. Um, and so so all of these laws had been, it was what they were challenging um, at the Supreme Court. And because if we go back, Roe v. Wade basically says you have an you have a right to abortion pre viability. Exactly, and viability means that the fetus, fetus. could um, survive outside the woman, right? Exactly, and they exactly. decided it was a brown twenty four weeks. Correct, and that's one of the things that gets talked about now is that you know science is different than it was fifty years ago. So you know there are. Um, there have been changes to that, but generally they, they consider viability anywhere between about 22 and 26 weeks. So then from the time that Roe passes 50 years ago, all these states in those 20 years mm-hmm. are saying, OK, fine, you can have an abortion, but we're going to make these restrictions, right? Right. And they had been trying these restrictions for years, um, basically since Roe was, was uh, settled. And so, but they were all struck down. By other courts. So lower none of, courts. Lower courts. Yep. Struck them down. None of these laws had gone into effect. So Casey was really the first time that one of these was getting to the point of being in front of the Supreme Court. Um, and so what was at stake was essentially um, this was a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. That was how it was It was heard at the Supreme Court. Um if they ruled in favor of Planned Parenthood, it would uphold Roe versus Wade. If they ruled in favor of Casey, it would decimate Roe versus Wade or overturn it. Um, what actually ended up happening is that they upheld Roe versus Wade, but they added this undue burden test 
to to the law. So basically what they said is, yes, you have a constitutional right to an abortion up to viability. And the states cannot place any undue burden on someone seeking that. But what they did is they actually kept the Pennsylvania laws in place. They upheld those laws saying that they did not present an undue burden. And those are what we call the trap laws. Correct. The only one they did not allow was the husband one, by the way. Thank God. I know. <laughs> um, actually, so, I'm surprised that they did Particularly didn't. considering that, you know... Uh, it's much more common and discussed and talked about today that it's not just women who have abortions. Transgender men, non-binary folks, this impacts a lot of different people and, and a lot of people that don't have husbands. Unmarried let's, women. Let's yeah. Or people. So, yeah. But tra- um, trap laws, which was interesting, yes. I had to look that up because in my yeah. mind I was like, oh, they're just trapping you, yes. right? Yes. But trap laws stands for targeted regulation of abortion providers. Correct. So yes. Casey ultimately said... You can still have abortions, but trap laws are fine so long as they don't present an undue burden on the pregnant person. Exactly. And that it the floodgates opened um, and states really started going to town, coming up with all the creative ways that they could chip away and testing abortion access. Yeah. And they were they were tested for years and some were left in place and some weren't Um, there is actually the time period between 2011 and 2016 um, was when the court system was quite conservative. And that was actually a time period where more abortion restrictions were put into place than any other time period in history. Um, That's when Nebraska started seeing a bunch of them passed. um, and, And that's really where most of the restrictions, the trap laws that that we have in place today were um, started. So when we talk about the trap laws, give us some some examples. We have a 24 hour waiting period. What does that really mean? Sure. So in Nebraska, um, one of the trap laws is that a patient seeking an abortion has to undergo state mandated counseling 24 hours prior to their appointment. Perfect. Yeah. We want the state to (laughs) mandate us counseling. Yes. And especially when some of what the state uh, counsels on is factually untrue. So things like um, abortion potentially leading to breast cancer, which has zero scientific basis whatsoever. Um, So during the state mandated counseling, they're giving incorrect information? Yep. About 25% of the information that that is given is is incorrect. Wow. And yeah. so is the state mandated counseling, there's specific things that they have to say to Correct. the patient yep. before the abortion can happen. Yep. 24 hours prior. So that's where the 24-hour waiting period comes in. And gen- basically the idea of this counseling is to try to dissuade people from getting abortions by um, saying scary things like you're going to get breast cancer and you're going to deal with mental health issues which has been proven wrong that you know most women who get abortions are incredibly happy with their decision yeah so 30 years later 20 years later so just using the 24-hour waiting period and the state mandated counseling as examples so Nebraska brought those in place mm-hmm. after Casey and said, okay, right. here's some of our trap laws. Yep. And then they've gone through the court system in Nebraska. And at some point, they've been decided that they are not an undue burden Correct. on a woman's right or a person's right to have an abortion. Correct. Lovely. 
And not all of them go through the courts. It depends on, you know, what precedent is, what court it can, you know, there, it's all yeah. that. And I think sometimes when I have conversations about this with friends and family, maybe that aren't really, you know, legal, legally minded, mm-hmm. I get a lot of comments like, whoa, but what's what's the big deal? Like 24 hours, that's no big deal. Or the parental consent. So Nebraska has a parental consent, mm-hmm. right, um, for minors. Um, and, the, and the other one that I think, I think Nebraska has is that when you're in a, an abortion clinic and you have your ultrasound being done, the ultrasound screen has to be faced towards the patient. Mm-hmm. And at Planned Parenthood, the patient is told, you don't have to look at the screen, Correct. but we are required to face the screen towards you. Yep. That's absurd. Yeah. So I've had an ultrasound. I wasn't pregnant, but I didn't. Look, the screen wasn't facing me. So I don't think that right. that's like the usual medical way no, an ultrasound is done. That's why it's called a trap lock. Yeah. Because it's very targeted, very specifically to abortion providers. Yeah. No one else who does ultrasounds has to follow that same. Right. Yeah. No, and I mean, a waiting period to have a medical procedure. There's no other medical procedure that they yeah. force you to contemplate your decision yeah. before you do it. And right. it, I think it really goes back to the general idea that, that these people can't be trusted with the decision, which I think yeah. is, is one of the really harmful Like components. we know more about what's good for you than you do, so we're going to tell you. Right, and it's even yeah. politicians saying they know more yeah. about what, should happen to these people than doctors <laughs> like <laughs> and 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 we could delve into this more but like doctors you know they're in a tough spot you right. know like I think a lot of doctors think abortion is you know the right choice for certain pregnant people at certain times in their life but then these some of these laws specifically target their ability to practice medicine correct and they say you know you can't um, only certain types of doctors can perform abortions. Correct. And only doctors with certain admitting. What's the admitting? One? So we yeah. don't have. Yeah, we don't have that one in Nebraska, but a lot of other yeah. states pass these. Um, you know that that physicians that provide abortions have to have admitting privileges to local hospitals. Um, and it's aren't most hospitals run by Catholic churches? Hey, imagine wait that. a minute. Yep. Yeah, how is this tied um, together? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> they basically yeah. came up with this, you know, workaround that they knew most of these hospitals would deny. Yep. privileges to someone who performs abortions and so it prevents them from being allowed to practice yep and, and then there was different ambulatory what yep, do we call that there was there was um ambu- the requirement that abortion clinics have to be ambulatory surgical sites so you have to have a doorway that can fit um you know stretcher yes exactly and hallways that have to be a certain width and all like and the procedure room has to be a certain size exactly all of this stuff and again it's it's trying to paint a picture of abortion being dangerous which it's not it's one of the safest medical procedures you can get and but that trap law specifically was problematic for a lot of abortion clinics because when it was passed, the abortion clinics ha- had to financially yes. change their um, clinic and yeah. open doorways and things like that when right. it just was never necessary. Right. And that's what we've seen across the country is that these laws have done what the authors of them intended, which right. is reduce access to abortion. And closing They've, the clinics sometimes. Yeah, we've had clinics, I mean, clinics have closed 
that's Mississippi didn't always just have one provider. They've had more than one in the past. And they're down to one because it's the only one that can survive with all of these attacks. Um, Texas is another one. I don't have the exact numbers, but, you know, if you go back 25 years to how many providers there were versus today, it's shocking um, for such a gigantic state that they've closed so many clinics because of these. And so one of the trap laws, is it true that one of ours in Nebraska is a 20-week ban? Mm-hmm. Even though Roe yes. says the viability is somewhere between 20 and 24. Yep. Nebraska was the first state to pass a gestational ban. Um, and it was a 20-week a ban. Um, so they And they determined that that was not an undue burden. Um, and it was challenged and it held. Was that in the... After Casey, like, was that? Yeah, it was in 2010. Hmm. So it was kind of right at the beginning of that time frame when we really saw just the floodgates open of these trap laws. I'm surprised, though, it took that long. Well, so here's probably what happened. They can't, did they come in and say, like, oh, okay, so Rose said 24 weeks. What can we get away with in Nebraska? How low can we get that number? Which is exactly what Mississippi's doing. How low can we get the number? And then did, did it, you know, like average out up to 20 and 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 the gestational bans were different than a little bit different than kind of some of the other trap laws that were um that were enacted because they were you know they were targeting the viability component as opposed to the undue burden component yeah um so so it was a little bit different and I do think that was why that one took a little bit more time for them to test out mm-hmm. um whereas you know a lot of the other trap laws part again the reason that so many of them were put into effect in that five-year time period is because of the changes in the courts it's yeah. just yeah truly the difference in who sits on those benches is is significant and let's let us not forget that it's the president who appoints those judges that sit on those benches exactly the federal court benches and the ramifications go so far past that actual president it lasts for a long time yes thankfully sarcastically half of no a third of our supreme court is from the trump administration yes so um I think when we look at the history of the legality of abortion mm-hmm. and then we look at where we are now, um, it's that crazy cycle of what? why are we where we are? <laughs> and we don't know. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I do think it's that huge difference in the courts, though, as to why we are where we are. These states have been trying this stuff for 50 years (laughs) yes this isn't brand new on their part it's just the shift in um you know we also have to talk about and look at gerrymandering and voting rights and the makeup of um lawmaking bodies that are not representative of the people anymore because that's that's the other thing is we know that three quarters of americans support roe versus wade staying in place yeah um that's a pretty vast majority of people and yet these you know extremist lawmakers are making the decisions 
for everyone else. I just Googled the average length of the U.S. Supreme Court justice's term, and it's 17 years. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty long time. Yeah. So, and our the newer appointees from Trump, a lot of them are a lot younger than some Correct. of the other appointees. And why would you ever retire from the Supreme Court until you're at least of retirement age? So. Right. It's a lifetime appointment forever. And that's the Supreme Court, but that's also a lot of the federal appeals courts, too. Um, That was part of the strategy was to appoint young judges. Yes. (laughs) So they were. Well, we've seen that locally. We have some judges on our bench who are in their 30s. Yeah. On our Nebraska Supreme Court bench. Well, even. Yeah. And even some of our lower courts, which, you know, can be a stepping stone to going forward. So judges matter. And they're not supposed to be political, uh, right? They're supposed to base their decisions on past decisions, not their stance on things. What's called precedent. Yeah. Yes. Precedent. (laughs) Not to be confused with president. (laughs) Thank you for that clarification. Sure. Um, But yeah, and I think the thing that um, gets, uh, you mentioned this, Tracy, already, that like, People ask, why Why is that a big deal? Why is a 24-hour waiting period a big yeah. deal? Why are these things a problem? And and the problem is it, it, it puts abortion more and more out of reach for a lot of people. So um, we always know, like, evidence shows that these kinds of restrictions most significantly impact uh, people with lower incomes, people of color, people who live in rural communities. Um, that's a big one that our state is a part of, is this what's what we call an abortion desert that basically runs down the middle of the country from North Dakota all the way down to Texas. And it's this place where it's it, people who live there would have to travel more than seven hours to get to Mm. the nearest abortion provider. And that is a direct result of the trap laws. And that's a direct result of trap laws. That Casey allowed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And and to just give a little bit of info to people who may not know that you can have an abortion by taking medication. Correct. So you wouldn't necessarily need to be in a room with a medical provider who would be doing a procedure on you. You could take the medication at home. Correct. You know, and monitor your symptoms after. Right. So, you know, like um, we can do telehealth for anti-anxiety medications for all sorts of crazy things. In Nebraska, we can do telehealth for anything except abortion. Yeah. We have a law on the books that bans telehealth from being used to provide medication abortions. But I could maybe go get a benzo You know, and I might be addicted Mm -hmm. and I could get that if I'm living in a very rural community where I don't have a medical provider. I can zoom in with someone in Omaha or Lincoln and I can get that and I can abuse it as much as I want. Yeah. And (laughs) and you can get necessary medical services. You can get there's all kinds of stuff. And that's and Nebraska actually has some of the more. progressive telehealth laws than other states and a lot of states have caught up since the pandemic but even prior to the pandemic Nebraska was pretty good on telehealth um they had good reimbursement rates for providers and things like that 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 make it easier for um medical institutions to use telehealth 
But the one thing that they have banned is abortion. And, yeah. you know, Iowa, our neighbor state, was the first state to actually use telehealth for medication abortion. Um, and it's been happening there for, I'm, I can't remember how many years, eight years maybe or so. Um, but they, they, you know, the patient still comes to a clinic. Um, they go through all of the same procedure that they would. Uh, normally they have an ultrasound, they have an education with, uh, clinic staff. They go through, everything is exactly the same. They go into a room and they sit and talk to the physician via video conference. Mm -hmm. Um, the physician is not in the same building and they, the physician reviews all of the information that's been collected, reviews the ultrasound, talks to the patient directly. And if they determine that this patient is a candidate for medication abortion, they push a button, a drawer opens, and the pill is dispensed to them. Um, and it's been proven, oddly, actually more safe than in-person medication abortion, which right. I don't know how that's possible. It probably was just like a, you know, little weird we'll statistical thing. But yeah. it's... It's been proven so incredibly safe. So there's no reason to ban it other than right. to push abortion out yeah. of reach. For when people. it's the only thing that is banned by telehealth. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and that, obviously. again, I mean, that has such significant impacts on folks in rural parts of our state and the country that they it makes it a lot harder for them to access abortion. Yeah. So. I want to end with a couple of things that people can do, you know, as we're thinking about abortion in Nebraska and how to help Planned Parenthood. Um, you've told us some some of those ways. The first is contact your senators. Yes. And why is that important? So particularly in the state of Nebraska, um, and, and we'll kind of get into this more on the next episode, but... Um, we need to tell our state senators that we don't want to ban abortion here. They need to know. They need to hear from folks. Um, we we know that Nebraskans support um, individual liberty. They support Roe versus Wade staying legal. Um, they need to listen to people um, and and recognize that folks don't want abortion banned here. So tell your senators you don't want abortion banned in our state. And the other thing, too, is we have a lot of senators who are warriors for Planned Parenthood and for Absolutely. reproductive justice, and telling them thank you is Absolutely. really important, too, right? Yes, of they course. are the ones that are, you know, in the legislature really talking about this right yes. and why it's important. So telling them thank you is helpful, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, the next thing we talked about was educating people about, you know, the right terminology and sharing information that's correct and science based and all of that. So tell us more about that. Absolutely. So I think doing some homework on um, on the impacts of these laws, what um, why we need to be concerned about these things too. Um, educating yourself, educating your neighbors, your friends, your family, your colleagues, whoever will listen to you. Um, you know, making sure that we're we're really conscious of how we talk about abortion as well. That um, you know, this is something that most people believe is a decision that should be left to a pregnant person and their family, their friends, their faith community, if they have one, um, and their physician. And, and this shouldn't be in the hands of politicians. So educating ourselves on how we talk about it um, to, to just reaffirm that 
shared value that so many people have um, around bodily autonomy and and folks being allowed to make decisions about their own bodies. Yes. Um, You can start by listening to our podcast, right? Yes. That's good education. (laughs) Totally. And also, you know, about senators, we'll share a link to how to find your senator. Yep. Um, You can contact only, not only your own senator, but you can contact all the senators if you'd like. Yes. Um, And then the third is donating money. Yes, absolutely. Um, So Planned Parenthood North Central States is the organization that provides uh, sexual and reproductive health services and education here in the state of Nebraska. Um, that includes abortion services um, in Omaha and Lincoln. And donating to Planned Parenthood North Central States supports those services. Um, we also have Planned Parenthood Advocates of Nebraska, which is a C4 organization, a 501C4 organization um, that is a subsidiary of Planned Parenthood North Central States. And we work very specifically on the legislative side of things, the advocacy work, um, and electing officials that support uh, sexual and reproductive health care and rights. So donating to either or both of those organizations is very helpful for Planned Parenthood and not yes. only in today's atmosphere, but mm-hmm. all the time. Yes, right? yes, yes. All the time. Um, we, we, you know, we are always in need of this is one of the challenges with um, kind of the, the stigma around Planned Parenthood and abortion and uh, sexual health in general is that we don't have access to a lot of public funding like other healthcare providers do. Um, so we do rely a lot on donations and and support from the community to make sure we can keep providing services to patients. And so that is always incredibly helpful and, and put to good use. And I love that Planned Parenthood's message is here for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I don't know if Carrie even knows that at some point she sent a text um, Oh, it was on Giving Tuesday, and she said, who should we donate to, X, Y, or Planned Parent Good? And it was a typo, and I was like, oh, that's perfect. I Planned love it. Parent Good. <laughs> but, yep. yeah. And, so. yeah, I think, you know, again, we'll get into that, but we're not going anywhere. We're, yeah. we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep providing services and, and making sure that we're here for our patients no matter what. Yes. Well, thanks for being here today, and I think on our next episode, um, we're excited to have you back, and we will talk about where we are today with abortion. Fantastic. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Lady Lawyer League podcast, and be sure to like and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. If you would like to learn more about our firm, Hightower Rep Law, please visit our website at hrlawomaha.com. We'll see you next week.